Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined once again by Jordan Climack here. Browns didn't play yesterday, Jordan. It was a bye week, and it was one of the more relaxing Sundays I've had in a while. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's funny. Like, today felt like a victory Monday <laughs> based off the fact that the Browns didn't play. Like, <laughs> that's kind of where we're at, right? I mean, for a couple of weeks now, we've been so used to these depressing Mondays of, you know, ah, you barely beat the Lions. You struggled. You probably should have lost. And then, ah, you struggle against the Ravens. I mean, the past couple of Mondays have been sad, man. So without the Browns playing yesterday, today truly did feel like a victory Monday. I'm in a good mood. Let's go. It's a Monday. I am too, and I don't know if it's just the time elapsing or the fact that that some of the results as well went the Browns' way, but I'm feeling a little bit better coming out of the bye week. I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic than I felt like on the last podcast. Here's the here's the thing, because I agree with you, like everything kind of went the Browns' way in terms of the division, Henry, but the one thing that I did see that was very disheartening was the fact that if you beat the Ravens last week, you'd be in first place. <laughs> you'd be in first place in the AFC North. But you didn't, so you're still in last place. I saw that tweet from uh, from your colleague at ESPN, Cleveland, yeah. Aaron uh, Aaron Goldhammer. Yeah, that, yep. that, that one did sting a little bit. But part of the reason for that being the case is that, you know, the, the results did go the Browns' way this weekend. As far as you mentioned, their best path to the playoffs is through the division at this point. And, well, the, the Bengals got smacked by the Chargers and then the Steelers – brought the Ravens down a peg by winning that that game, you know, in close fashion at the end when when the Ravens decided to go for two. So now all of a sudden the Browns win this game against Baltimore this week and they're one game back. They're right in the thick of things. I think Jake Trotter had the stat that that even though the Browns didn't play this week, their their chances to make the playoffs increased quite a bit and are now up around 20% uh based on the results this last weekend. So the Browns, things went well just by them not playing, Jordan. Yeah, they did. And AFC North, man, I, I just can't make sense of it. I, I really can't. Um, you know, for so long, you, you know, for majority of the year, you're thinking, ah, well, it's the Ravens are going to, you know, win this division, win it pretty easily. They're by far away the best team in the division. Well, for about three or four weeks now, they've been really struggling. I mean, talk about struggling to score points for, um, you know, that team. I mean, they're struggling. Lamar Jackson's struggling. Um, he's had a really, really down year after, you know, there were early season MVP talk for him. Um, that's certainly not a thing anymore. And the Steelers as well. Like, Henry, that's the main thing, though. Watching that game yesterday, night, you know, that was the national CBS, Tony Romo, um, Jim Nance game. So a lot of people were watching that. And my main takeaway from watching the Steelers Ravens yesterday was like, how did we lose to both of these teams? Like, that was what I was trying to figure out. Like, how the hell did you lose to both these teams? I mean, there's just some incompetent offense going on. I, I know you can throw the Browns into that mix as well, but my goodness, did you have no business losing to the Steelers a couple weeks ago or the Ravens last week? Well, you, you mentioned incompetent offense. The Browns, the Browns <laughs> yeah. played their role nicely <laughs> in those two games as well. Part of it is the defenses for both of those teams are also talented, the Steelers and the Ravens. I know the Ravens have been susceptible to some big plays, but – Overall, they've, they've been a pretty good defense uh, so far this season and, and a big loss for them, actually, too, in that game. Yeah. Marlon Humphrey done for the season. And we'll, we'll talk about that more on the preview podcast. But Jordan, there, there are plenty of news to get to with the Browns as well. I think 
the the one that was most surprising is that Jacob Phillips was activated off of IR. So he's actually going to be back in the fold here in the linebacker mix. I was pretty surprised. I thought he was going to be done for the season there. But another linebacker, you know, with speed that that maybe the Browns might be thinking about using on Sunday uh, against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, the Browns have been, I mean, the way they've handled players returning from injuries this year has been snap counts. Um, they haven't, you know, just if you're coming back from an injury, I mean, whether it be Kareem Hunt last week or, you know, JOK a couple weeks ago, like they're easing these guys back in. So I wouldn't expect Jacob Phillips to have this some huge role for the Browns this weekend. But getting his speed back, um, you know, it was a guy that he had flashes last year, Henry, of like, who man, if this guy can put it together, he can be a pretty special player. Uh, maybe uh, like a poor man's JOK uh, in, in, in a sense. Um, so I think if you're able to put those two guys together and bring speed to that linebacking position, yeah, it's, it's a huge plus. I, you know, I was funny because he hasn't played all year. He had the, uh, you know, the torn peck in the offseason. I don't think anyone was expecting to see him at all this year. So to get him back this year, it, kind of, it does kind of seem like the Browns are starting to get healthy at the right time, right? Obviously, other than Jack Conklin, I mean, that's that's the big one, of course. But other than that, guys are starting to come back. And and look, it's, it's going to be a grind for these last five games to try and make it into the playoffs, Henry. And look, to get a guy like Phillips back, uh, to get guys like Kareem Hunt back, I mean, it's big for this team moving forward. Yeah, I... You know, Phillips is a depth piece, of course. He's not, you know, necessarily going to have a huge impact. But the reason I think it might be sneaky helpful is we saw the formula for this team being successful on the defensive side of the football in really the way I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, which is getting a lot of team speed out there. Not only playing JOK a lot, but then, they, they you know, with three safeties, having Grant Delpit out there, you know, Ronnie Harrison sliding down to the box at times. Sometimes it's Delpit. Sometimes you can even bring John Johnson down there. All of a sudden, you've got a lot of team speed, and you don't have to worry about, you know, those linebackers that might not be the strength of this team quite as much. The problem with that is they haven't had all those guys healthy a lot at the same time. And so they haven't really been able to line up that way a, a whole lot. Like you said, they've, they've gotten healthy at the right time here the last couple of weeks, but Jacob Phillips is a guy where you can kind of simulate that stuff a little bit. Like you mentioned, he's kind of a poor man's JOK. He could kind of be more of like a Ronnie Harrison type as well. So even if a guy gets banged up or just needs to come out for, you know, uh, some plays here or there, you've got, the option to turn to somebody that still provides you with a similar look rather than putting a Taki Taki, a Mac, you know, a Mac Wilson, a more traditional linebacker like that on the field. And like I said, I, I don't expect him to have, you know, a significant role in the game plan defensively on Sunday, but that's the exact kind of guy you'd want in the situation versus Mar Jackson. Right. I mean, we saw how the Browns were using JOK last week in that spy position. He was kind of roaming the field I thought he did a pretty damn good job at, at times last week. So these are the type of guys, right, that I think that the Browns envisioned when they were building that linebacking core, building that defense, versatile guys with speed. And Phillips certainly fits right into that category. Absolutely, yeah. So we'll we'll see. I, I, again, I don't expect. I, I don't think. We, I don't think we can expect bit. Like you yeah. know what I mean. Like this isn't like a, a type of move. I mean, it's a good, it's a good move. You like to see guys healthy. You like to see young guys with promise get out there and show us what they're made of. But by no means is this a like all of a sudden you know the Browns went from being on the outside of the playoffs looking in to like oh they got Jacob Phillips back maybe they can make the playoffs now. I don't think it's by any means a move like that. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. And I, I've just been higher on Jacob Phillips, I think, than most people anyway throughout the last two years. So that, that that's the reason I, I started there. But 
the other news, which, uh, you know, again, is probably not going to be impactful, but just honestly, Jordan was my favorite story of the week. So I want to bring it up is that the Browns long snapper, Charlie Hewlett is on the COVID list and that Mac Wilson is serving as the Browns backup okay, so, long snapper so in the case real, that he can't right? go. <laughs> like, I was seeing videos on, on Twitter and I, I didn't know what it was. I was seeing videos of Mac Wilson snapping and I'm just thinking to myself, huh? So they're not taking practice seriously. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought when I looked at that. But lo and behold, it's he, he might have to. I don't know how they came to the determination that Mac Wilson would be the guy. Maybe he showed them something before of like, hey, this guy's actually pretty solid at snapping. But yeah, not not the not the best of situations here for a special teams unit that like has been so up and down this year, right? Like to start the year, it was boy, Chase McLaughlin's making everything, but Jamie Gillen can't punt to save his life. Fast forward a couple of weeks. Now it's Chase McLaughlin's missing everything. And all of a sudden Jamie Gillen is like booming punts again. So it's been a really inconsistent special teams unit. And this is, this is going to do nothing to add consistency to that unit. That's true. I, so here's the quick backstory it is at least according to, to Brown, uh, to Brad Stainbrook is that Mac Wilson's been the backup long snapper since he joining the team, uh, you know, since he was drafted, he slid into that role and that he served in some sort of backup punter special teams role at Alabama, which is how he got slotted there in the first place. It seems like Charlie Hewlett is going to come off the list in time based on when he got put on and based on Kevin Stefanski's comments. He kind of indicated that that he expects Hewlett will go. Uh, but it just a, a funny wrinkle, honestly, that uh, you know, I actually think it's impressive that they they had a backup log snapper in place. I'm sure every team does, I guess, but it's just something I've never once thought about before. Yeah, it's one of those things where like you don't think about it until all of a sudden it's affecting you. Um, that, that's certainly uh, for sure. I guess the good thing is, too, like you said, they expect him back for Sunday, and he's a long snapper, right? Like this isn't a guy that you're going to be like, hey, go out on defense and, and chase down Lamar Jackson while you're coming off of you have these COVID lungs, right? Like we don't have to worry about that. And like I said, I think he should be back Sunday. Um, if not, it's going to be it's certainly going to be very interesting to see how the Browns handle that situation. Like, are they just going to become even more aggressive than they already are and going forward on fourth down? You might have to by default um, just because, you know, I mean, you don't want to risk – look, a, a special team's botch snap that goes over, like, the punter's head or something like that. That's pretty much worst-case scenario for any team. We saw how that altered the Browns' playoff game against the Steelers last year. That changed the play in the first couple – that changed the course of the game in the first couple of minutes of the game. So, yeah, like you said, it's one of those things that you don't think about and, you know, you just kind of – we almost take for granted um, as NFL fans. But, hey, we'll, we'll see how it plays out this weekend. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think it's going to be a major storyline. One thing to just keep an eye on is, is you know, Johnny Stanton went on the COVID list uh, last week. Stephen Carlson is placed on it today. Not any major players by any means, but just something to, you know, to be slightly concerned about it is there obviously have been players in the building well, with COVID. But – and here's the thing I think, to, you know, to be concerned about as well as uh, these cases are kind of rising throughout the world and certainly within NFL circles. And for the Browns, you just had a bye week where, you know, players had the freedom that they didn't have last year to be able to go out, do whatever they wanted. You know, I know Miles Garrett spent some time in Phoenix. Um, so players were traveling, going back home, you know, Nick Chubb, Mac Wilson traveled to, you know, Alabama, Georgia, like players were traveling. So Greg I mean, Newsom was at Northwestern, yeah. I know. Exactly. So there are some opportunities here where it's like, hey, man, uh, we haven't heard anything yet, but obviously knock on wood that they're uh, everyone's able to stay COVID free for, until they play on Sunday.
Yeah, that that's another good point too that that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, I saw uh, the only reason I know Greg Newsom was at Northwestern was because he was in attendance at, at the basketball games there, uh, supporting the team. But yeah, the, uh, that is something that is worth monitoring at, at the very least. Jordan, I do want to you know really the main topic of the show I think is we got to talk about what you know you want to see adjustment wise from the Browns out of the bye week because that's the big thing, right? And I know. Some people in like the analytics community have expressed frustration that teams don't uh, self-scout as much as they should during the season, and they often wait to make adjustments until the buy. But that has been typically uh, the way things have operated in the NFL because uh, of how difficult it is to implement things on the fly. And, and we've seen, you know, the Browns last year went on a run out of the bye week uh, and, and did you know really well. And it's a staple of, of teams, frankly, with good coaching. Andy Reid, Bill Belichick. They usually come out of the bye week with some answers. And so my question to you is, you know, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you know, you've watched this team doing some self-scouting, what changes do you want to see from the Browns coming out of this? And let's let's start specifically with Kevin Stefanski's side of the ball. Uh, what changes are you looking for out of this offense coming out of the bye week? So I don't know if it's so much schematics. Um, that I'm trying to like, I don't know if there's anything that I can point to from like a scheme standpoint, like, Hey, you got to, this isn't working. That scheme's not working. We got to stay away from that. To me, it's really just a lot of decision-making, uh, for Kevin Stefanski. And, you know, I've had interesting conversations with people who, you know, have forgotten more or, you know, have forgotten more football Henry than like you and I will ever know. Um, and you know, the thing that I've been asking people is like, I get this whole fascination with like, you know, we saw the Ravens, how um, stacking the box with eight or nine, even nine guys at times, you know, the, the lions were doing the same thing. That's just kind of how teams are. The Patriots did the same thing. It's how teams are approaching the Browns right now uh, from a defensive standpoint is, Hey, we're going to stack the box, eight or nine guys make Baker Mayfield beat you if he can. And obviously he's proven that he can't. So for me, that's not a schematic thing that's a a decision-making thing that falls on the head coach in terms of like, if you're Stefanski and you're you're looking at this, like, yeah, you know, teams come into the games against the Browns saying, Hey, we're going to take away the run. We're going to try and take away the run. And to me, it's when, whenever that happens, there becomes the the fascination to try and pass. And I think we get away from the run in those situations. To me, I would like to see the Browns say, Hey, we have a better offensive line than, maybe every other team in the NFL, except maybe the Colts or something like, or maybe the Cowboys, right? A top three, top five offensive line without question. So that being the case, I'd, I would just like to see them stick to that more, right? Like say, Hey, I know you're going to try and stop the run. Let's see if you actually can, right? We're going to just be consistent with it. We're going to play smash mouth football. We're going to out physical you. And that's how we're going to win f- football games. For me, that's what I need to see from the offense. Um, it, and like I said, it's, it's not me looking at like a scheme, like, Hey, this wide zone scheme isn't working. No, the wide zone scheme is working. I would like to see, maybe if I'm talking from scheme, maybe, um, some more play action bootlegs, uh, some of the nakeds that we were seeing last year, Henry, um, I think those can be implemented. And I think that goes back to my first point of like, Hey, just stick to the ground game. Um, because that's your bread and butter. Right. Um, so th- those are the two things that I would like to see from an offensive standpoint change. Um, and I know you can, you know, come back with a counterpoint of like, Hey, is Baker Mayfield healthy enough to be able to run those naked bootlegs and, and those kind of things? Well, you've had a, you've had a week off now, right? We we've been asking for it since the lions game. Like, Hey, should you be playing? 
And of course, once we knew that he did play against the Lions, he was absolutely going to have to play against the Ravens. Well, here's the bye week. Injuries aren't an excuse anymore. You got to come out. You got to have. I just want to see the offense get back to the same sort of rhythm that they were playing with last year. And I, I wish I had, could sit here and tell you how they do that, Henry. Um, I don't know. That's beyond me. That's maybe soul searching from Stefanski, from the team, from the players. But that's what they need to do. Because like you said, they came out of the bye week on fire last year. If they can do that this year, they have a chance to make the playoffs. But you have to capture some of that magic offensively that you had last year. And I think it starts with staying true to who you are, and that's running the football. Yeah, see, I, I have to agree with you and I have to agree with you. The thing I was going to say, and you mentioned it, is, is getting Baker Mayfield out of the pocket more and, and hoping that he's healthy enough to, to do that. Because to me, I see it as you have to find a way to throw the ball when people are putting eight and as we saw, even nine people in, in the box, like no matter how good you are running the football, nobody can run the ball consistently against eight to nine man boxes in the NFL teams are just not doing it. Like the Titans are the best in the league at it with Derrick Henry. And they're way worse at it than when teams don't put eight, nine people in the box. Part of the reason the Titans are so successful, they run great play action with Ryan Tannehill, right? The Browns, like in the modern NFL, you just have to be able to find a way to throw the football. And to me, that's here's, where Kevin's... Here, here's the thing with play action, though. Like you have to establish the run to be successful. You don't, though. At, at you don't. Action. That's that's not true. That that like uh, statistically, that is not true. That is that has been hundred percent okay, proven maybe not false. For, maybe not for maybe not statistically, but for this team, absolutely. I mean, how many times do we see them coming coming into games throwing the ball and it just doesn't work and it cripples you on first down? I, I yeah, but to me, that has team... nothing to do with the play. That to me has nothing to do with the fact that they can't run the ball. It has everything to do with the fact that they, the quarterback well, is struggling right now. They don't try and run the ball. That's the thing. They, they, so, so they run it? the ball on first down more than most of the teams in the NFL. They do. That's they, because it's a passing NFL, and the Browns are, are an anomaly with the way that they handle their football team, and their roster is made up. Yeah, but they, but on, on first and second down, Jordan, they ran the ball more than they passed the ball against the Ravens, but they ran the ball – for like one yard, one yard, one yard, because they have eight or nine people in the box. Like at some point you have like the reason it's a passing league is because at some point you have to pass the football to, to be what a is successful NFL offense. Like, so what is it then? I mean, cause no, I've, seen guys I just, open. I've seen guys open on, on some of the play calls that Stefanski's calling. Well, that's so is that, it just a Baker thing. Well, that's, that's why I think the, the biggest thing you got, my biggest adjustment and I hope is, is part of the reason it's been health and hopefully will come back is he's got to get out of the pocket because Baker Mayfield has always been more comfortable getting out of the pocket, getting on the move where he can see the field better. And I think that has to come back to this offense if they're going to be successful. I think he has got to find a way to get a bootlegs, get out there, have simple reads and deliver the football to the tight ends because they, you know, they, the Browns have lined up in 13 personnel and they can't run the football even against the eight, nine man boxes. At some point, you've got to be able to do something to throw the football. And, and if it's not the bootlegs, as you said, then maybe it's beyond me. But that's Kevin Stefanski's got, job. Like, they have got to find a way to pass the football even moderately successful so teams cannot do that. Like, it's I, I know I tweeted this out uh, as a reply to you at some point. Like, it's the most disrespectful defense I've ever seen in the last couple of weeks coming against the Browns passing attacks. Like, oh, putting is. nine it defenders is. in a box is – that's ridiculous. Like – you have got to find a way to beat that if you're the Browns. And I know part of it is the execution of the players. I, you know, Jake Burns wrote this whole article breaking down the Ravens game about, you know, conceptually how the Browns did a lot of stuff that worked, but they either didn't execute or, or Baker missed the passes. But the Browns have got to figure out a way to get players in a position where they're going to execute. And to me, 
the biggest thing for that is get players doing what they're most comfortable with. And from what I've seen from Baker Mayfield going back to 2018, yeah, is he is comfortable rolling out of the pocket and throwing on the move. It's unusual for quarterbacks. He likes to roll to his left sometimes for some reason, but I think that's what they got to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, going off that of, you know, putting players in situations that they're comfortable in. One thing that I couldn't understand and I saw this kind of um, dissected in the, I don't know if you watched like the Kurt Warner uh, breakdown of, uh, you know, the film from, from the uh, Ravens and Browns game, but, you know, I was watching the game live and I, I pointed it out a handful of times. Like why, why are we lining Nick Chuff up out wide as a wide receiver? I, I don't understand. And they did it seven or eight times I can think of off the top of my head where I, I said, like, what are we doing? And, you know, one of the main things that Kurt Warner was breaking down in that film is just Nick Chubb was just not getting the job done, man. He was running bad routes. He was yeah. not, you know, he, did, he didn't know where to be. And, and he was the guy open on a lot of those plays. And there was one play in particular where he spoke, um, you know, they're lined up in a shotgun. They scheme Chubb open. He goes out to the left. And Baker throws it out to the left. If Chubb catches that ball, if he runs the right, route he catches that ball and has the entire sideline to work with and we know how good he is in open field but the problem is he takes the wrong route and in doing and in taking the wrong route that brings the defender up and all of a sudden you have to make a perfect throw and you can't get the ball there because now you're throwing it at a defender so it's a lot of things where it's just like why why are we putting nick chubb in that situation especially when you have two or three guys in the backfield when i'm talking about a kareem hunt or Demetric felton that are better route runners and better players out of you know if you're going to line them up wide it makes sense to do it with those guys not with a guy like nick chubb who's not used to doing that kind of thing yeah and, and- uh, well, I think we're, we, we're on the same page here again, because my second thing was going to be get Kareem Hunt back involved in this offense. I mean, and, and you bring up a good point about the passing game in particular. If you're going to go empty set, you know, to try and, you know, make things easier for Baker Mayfield to read where pressure is coming from, because that's a big thing, right? If you go empty, it's really easy to see who's blitzing and the Ravens blitz a lot. So that and it also helps Blake Hans out. Uh, in terms of, hey, that's your guy, like, don't worry about it, or, or you'll see if there's a blitz. But they need to do that with Kareem Hunt or with Demetric Felton. If that guy's not staying in the backfield to block, like, that's got to be a, a more potent pass catcher than Nick Chubb. I love Nick Chubb. I think he's the best pure runner, uh, you know, in the NFL. I know people will say Derrick Henry. I still think it's Nick Chubb, and you can call me biased, but I still think that's the case. But he is not a great pass catching back. No, and he, the Browns have those not. guys. Exactly. And he hasn't been that. And you, and you shouldn't have to ask him to be that because, like you said, you have those guys. So, to me, this comes back to a Stefanski thing, right? Like you said, put, putting guys in the position to succeed. And I just don't think he's done that with some of his play calling in the past couple weeks, especially last week. Uh, an interesting thing, too, Jordan, is Stefanski brought up uh, getting both Hunt and Chubb on the field at the same time uh, together this week, which was something Freddie Kitchens actually did a lot of, both when he was the offensive coordinator the and Wisconsin. then when he was head coach uh, <laughs> as well. I know, so what do you think about that in terms of getting those guys on the field together? I, I think it's good in theory. Um, I think it's one of the things that's harder to kind of execute when you really think about it. Um, it is. And, and, and I, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I would have to see the scenario kind of play itself out. And be like, Hey, I liked what I saw there. I think they can have success doing that. Um, it's hard for me to sit here and say off the top of my head, like what, what, how that could work. Um, because to me, like the right, the simple, answer would be line up and shotgun with both those guys next to Baker. And I just, I'm, I've never been a fan of running the ball out of a shotgun and I don't think I ever will be. 
Um, I, I just don't think that's the best success, especially when you have you know the type of offensive line that the Browns do. So I don't know. I would like to see them both on the field more, but it's hard for me to sit here and say like in that scheme or this scheme is how you have to do it. To me, the biggest indication here is that, uh, again, we talk about the self-scouting, is Kevin Stefanski went back and was like, okay, we need to find a, a way to get the ball to our playmakers. Who are our playmakers? Well, they're, they're, they're two running backs. And, and you know, you can put two tight ends on the field easily. It's a lot harder to do it with two running backs, like you said. Uh, it's difficult to run out of the shotgun in, in that scenario. But what it does do is potentially – force the Ravens to think about their strategy or, or other teams as well as, are you going to load the box like that when Baker Mayfield's in shotgun formation, as opposed to under center, maybe that's a, a tactical adjustment that Kevin Stefanski can make. And the other thing it tells me is that maybe he went back and did some self scouting and didn't come to the conclusion that the wide receivers were the answer to his problems. That's the other thing I kind of, if I'm reading into this, it's half that, you know, the running backs getting them on the field more because they're the best players and half they're our best players because there's not a lot of other options in the passing game right now. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a combination of both, right? I mean, you know, the funny thing is too, is it didn't seem like it at all, but didn't Jarvis have like close to 150 yards receiving last week against the Ravens? Yeah. I, I, I thought it seemed like it. Did you not I, think it seemed I, like it? It didn't just because the fact the offense was so unsuccessful in that game that it was like, it was almost like, okay, so what, you know? Yeah. that's kind of how it seemed to me. It's like, okay, yeah, he had his best game of the year statistically, but what, how did that translate to a win? It didn't. So mm -hmm. it kind of gets lost in translation. Yeah. I thought Baker again, the difficult part with him all season has been the consistent level of play has not been there, but there are flashes. And I thought all of those flashes basically came to Jarvis Land during the last game, right? Like he came out sharp on the first drive. He had that one nice ball, you know, where he went play action and floated it, you know, in the zone across the field to Jarvis Landry for a big gain. So if it's going to be a receiver, I do think it has to be Landry. I, this, this could be me still holding so, out hope, but Donovan Peoples-Jones, I still think has a chance to, to, to do something here in these last couple of weeks. I don't, I don't maybe I'm being naive there, but I, I think they, there's still something there with Donovan Peoples-Jones that they might be able to tap into. I mean, he has the body to do so, right? He's got to stay healthy. He's been in and out of the lineup all year. Uh, going back to Jarvis though, real quick. I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, and you know, a lot of the actions that they run for him are there consistently throughout the game. But the problem is, Henry, it's very West Coasty. Um, you know, the routes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, West Coasty is definitely a great word to use. But it is and in terms of just the 5-10 intermediate stuff where he'll have a big gain off it because he was able to break something, right? They're, they're not necessarily routes designed to go down the field. And that still remains the issue for this team. Like you talked about it, the Ravens are – you know, maybe the worst defense in the NFL at giving up big plays and the Browns were not able to have anything successful down the field against that team. Uh, maybe that changes this week. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is you still don't have any threats down the field for this offense. And I get, I guess that goes back to, you know, talent in the wide receiver room, which coming into this, isn't that funny how that works coming into this year where we thought, Hey, you got Jarvis Landry, you got Odell Beckham Jr. Coming back. You got this guy, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who, has been like the darling of training camp. You got this rookie speed guy in Anthony Schwartz. You bring in back Rashard Higgins on a one-year deal. Like we were talking about like, man, there's so many wide receivers in this room that like, who's, who's going to be the surprise cut? It ended up being Darrell Hodge, but my goodness, how that conversation has changed over the course of the year. They, they, they don't really have anyone in that wide receiver room all of a sudden. 
Not anybody that you feel confident delivering week to week. That's for sure. Uh, but not I, anyone yeah. that puts fear in the defense. And that's the main thing. Yeah, not anybody uh, that they're game planning around. It'll be interesting to see, you know, with Marlon Humphrey out. And I believe the Ravens suffered another secondary injury in that game, too, uh, that we'll see if the Browns can take advantage of that or, or, or not. But I want to transition, Jordan, to the defensive side of the football real quick as well. Is there anything, you know, of course, they went into the bye week on a great note uh, with, with that game against the Ravens and the four turnovers and all of that. But it was an up and down first half of the season for sure. So what would you like to see out of the defensive side of the football over these last five games? I, I, it's funny. Cause I actually think, you know, you take the new England game out of the equation here. I, I, the defense has been playing pretty solid football for what the better part of a month now at, at this point. Um, there there's been, I think the defense, there's been a lot more to build off of um, than people originally thought. Right. I think really the main problems with this football team lie um, you know, offensively, I guess if there's one thing I would say from a schematic standpoint from, from the defense that I would like to see is more blitzing. Um, you know, I, I feel like they're a team that doesn't blitz a lot. And, and I think they went against no. kind of their own philosophies last week and started to blitz a little bit more because they watched the film of the dolphins and, you know, how to get to Lamar Jackson. And they were successful in doing so. They had a great game plan last week defensively and they executed it. Problem was the offense couldn't see so you, you needed two touchdowns to win the game, right? Your offense couldn't get you two touchdowns. That's really what it came down to. So um, for me, I, I've been somewhat, you know, there are a lot of questions about Joe Woods earlier in the year, but I mean, are you still seeing things that, that, that's, that are leaving question marks for you defensively? I mean, earlier in the year, I think it was a lot of communication stuff. And to me, like that was just kind of guys, you know, the new guys like John Johnson um, was a guy that had a lot of breakdowns earlier in the year. He's a new guy learning new terminology, learning, you know, tendencies of the players that he's with in the secondary. I think that's been cleaned up over the past couple of weeks. And I think that showed defensively, especially in the secondary. The secondary has been playing very um, good football. And I think it starts with Denzel Ward back there. But I, I've seen a lot of good things from the defense. I've been pleasantly surprised with, with you know, some of the linebackers. I thought JOK was a big difference last week so to me it's really just blitzing henry i would like to see some more blitz packages and you know maybe less relying on miles garrett and jadavion Clowney to get home every time which i i understand how you fall into the trap because those two guys are so good um but yeah i guess that's the one thing for me i've, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised with this defense take away one or two games this year and, and really those two games will probably be the chargers and the patriots if you take those out of the equation the defense has played pretty well in almost every game I throw in the, the Cardinals game as well. Yeah, as, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I knew um, I was forgetting one. Yeah. Yeah, I think in general, yeah, when when I took a step back, I kind of came to a similar conclusion that overall it, it hasn't been an awful defensive effort by any means, and there, there's been a lot of bright spots. Yeah, I, I actually didn't – I mean, last week they blitzed a little bit more against the Ravens, but I'd still like to see more out of that. It's not Joe Woods' nature. He likes to sit back uh, and rush with four, and I get that the Browns have the guys to do that, but – I think at some point, you know, with Lamar, it's, uh, you know, the blitzes have been working. The Steelers didn't come after him a ton, too. They did a lot of, like, blitzing, but actually only bringing four guys type of stuff. I watched that game pretty closely as well. So maybe teams are finding out, uh, you know, that you can get it done without blitzing, too, against Lamar. But in general, yeah, I like – I think if this team is going to play with more speed, part of the the advantage of that, too, is you can bring guys off the edge, you know, off the slot corner linebackers that can actually get to the quarterback and bring them down. So I'm actually right there with you. The only other thing I'd single out and you you brought up his name is I want to see Denzel Ward play a consistent five weeks of football because 
You go look at the games. He's that, been really good uh, the past three or four weeks. I think he was pretty bad against New England. Now, yeah. he was he was good last week, and he was good. Uh, he was really good against Detroit, I would say. And Cincinnati. But, but to me, that's the biggest problem is, yeah, I thought Cincinnati was one of his best games. I thought Detroit was one of his best games. But you go look. I mean, I, to me, I thought the New England game was hold a bad on, game I, for him. I, thought, I, I don't think the New England game was a bad game. I think they didn't throw the ball at him maybe once or twice that entire game. We, we talked about it, right? They came into that game with a game plan that they were going to stay away from Denzel Ward and exploit the rookie and Greg Newsom. And that's exactly what you did. So I, I think you almost kind of tip your cap into that and the, the respect that the Patriots had saying, we're going to stay away from this guy. We're going to go at the rookie and, and take our chances. And lo and behold, they had success doing that. But I, I don't think he was targeted a lot in that New England game to say that I he did. really had a bad game. I thought there were a couple zone coverages where it was Denzel Ward's fault. And I know, I know that some of that, it, some of that stuff, I'd have to go back and rewatch it again, but I remember watching the game itself, like coming away, you know, when you rewatch the game being like, ah, uh, maybe that was Denzel Ward, not the other ones, but in general, See, I think the, the Mark Andrews touchdown last week, you know, the, the kind of fluke uh, Lamar backpedaling, yeah. just throwing it up. That was without question, a blown coverage on Denzel in, in the zone. He went to the yeah. wrong side of the field when he should, went to the middle and that's why Mark Andrews was standing there wide open. Yeah. And, and he's not the only one by any means on the Brown secondary that struggled with those, with those issues. And in fact, he, he definitely has not been as big of a perpetrator as the safeties have. But to me, Denzel Ward is supposed to be this guy that's like a top 10, you know, corner in the league, a number one kind of corner guy. And the Browns need him to bring that every week. And I just, he's shows these flashes. And part of the reason I, I thought about this, Jordan was, for the good games, like you brought it up, there are times when you watch this defense play, and I felt like the Ravens game was one of that, where you were like, there's nowhere to attack right now. Like, they've got Denzel Ward on one side, they've got Greg Newsom on the other side, like, the safeties were playing pretty well, you know, JOK's all over the place, and you're like, there's no holes on this team, right? But that starts to break down when you lose that number one corner, and, and to me, I just think that Ward has had better seasons, and it is capable of, of more consistency than he's produced right now. And if he delivers that, I think the Browns could be in a situation where this defense could actually be the, the unit that goes on a run over the last five games. Everybody's focused on how to improve the offense, how to improve the offense. And I'm, I'm just wondering, is it that the offense needs to improve that much or can they just take a little step forward and the defense be the one that takes the bigger step forward? And I think Denzel Ward's a key cog in that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sticking with Denzel, I mean, his, his first, you know, three, four weeks of the season, he was basically like a ghost out there. You know, we were asking, where's Denzel? He's not making plays. And I, I feel like he started to come on in the past couple of weeks. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I don't know. To me, it's just all the offense. <laughs> like, really, I, I, I just think it really comes down to that. Because like you said, I mean, Henry, you win. All you needed was two touchdowns last week. All you needed was two touchdowns against the, the Steelers a couple of weeks ago. And you couldn't get that. And you couldn't get them. Yeah. And I don't understand it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You're not even asking a lot. We're not even asking for 20 points here. 14 points basically wins you both those games. I know the Steelers, I think they won it 15 to 10, but you get where I'm coming from. Um, I think the defense still, like you, to your point, I think they still can take another leap. Um, I don't think that they've, maybe other than that Bears game, and I mean, that's kind of an anomaly when you had, you know, just the, Justin Fields, his first career start in kind of hostile territory. I mean, other than that game, I don't know if they've necessarily played a, a perfect game defensively. I, you maybe could say last week, uh, but we just got done talking about the blown coverage from Denzel Ward that kind of allowed, you know, the touchdown that ended up being the kind of the difference in the game, really. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think the defense still has another step that they can take. Um, and I think they can really in this next last five games, right. I think they can cement themselves as really a top 10, top five defense in the NFL. And if they're able to do that and you're able to just get something from the offense and there still is hope left from this team, but it's a big if right now, Henry. What, uh, Kevin Stefanski uh, agrees with you. So I'll, I'll leave you with the quote he said today in his press conference. He said, you know, uh, when talking about, you know, what they need to do coming out of the bye week, he said, we need to produce on offense. Very simply, we need to score more points. And you're right, Jordan, at the end of the day, like they, they have got to find a way to get in the end zone more than they have these last couple of weeks. If they, if they really want to stand a chance against this uh, difficult remaining schedule. So Jordan, we'll, we'll cut it off there. Uh, but before we go, you know, uh, real quick though, too, like yeah, this offense, I think they've only scored two touchdowns in the last like 10 quarters or something like that. Yikes. Right. And one of those being the, the Nick Chubb touchdown against Detroit and the other being the, uh, who caught it? Was it uh, Njoku that caught the touchdown uh, this past this past week against? So yes, we had one caught, caught in, caught in quotation yeah, yeah, marks. Right. Exactly <laughs> right. I mean, right. no, you're right. I mean, that could have gone either way. It was one of those where it was so close where they're just like, ah, we called it a touchdown on the field. So I guess it's a touchdown. But those are your only two touchdowns, really, in the last like ten quarters of football. That's not going to get the job done, man. So if they can change that around, Henry, I mean, we could be looking at a different Browns team in the remaining five games. But the fact of the matter is you got five games against five teams that are trying to make the playoffs. So, it, you know, the, all of your easy wins are behind you now. It, it's go time. That's true. Uh, a, a very difficult remaining schedule that starts with the Ravens on Sunday, Jordan. So we will preview that game later on this week. But that will do it for this episode. Browns fans, in the meantime, if you're listening out there, you know, uh, Follow Jordan and I on Twitter for our commentary in between podcasts and all that great stuff. But until next time, Browns fans, just two words for you. Go Browns.